0: would take out your copy of God's word and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 this morning. And as you're turning there, uh, just that kind of a recap, if, you're, uh, if you've been here with us for the last few weeks, as you know, we're walking through this 4W Life series, this, uh, what it looks like to, to be a disciple of Jesus and live this 4W Life that we find in his word. The first week, we opened up with worship. So we talked about how the true disciple is a disciple who worships Jesus in spirit and truth. We got that right from the Gospel of John. And, and we talked about what it is to worship in spirit and truth, right? How we worship internally uh, in spirit and also in the truth of God's word. And then last week, we discussed what it looks like as a disciple of Jesus, as a true disciple, to walk with him every day, to have a close relationship with him in prayer, Daily, communicating with him in prayer, and then receiving his answers and diving in and being fed by his word daily. And so we talked about the importance of that. Well, this morning, we're going to look at the third W, which is work, okay? Uh, This is the W where we're going to see this morning how we are called as a true disciple to serve the body of Christ with the love of Christ, and so we're going to do that this morning here in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul's going to show us that. Now, as we're, do, as we're getting into this, um, almost all of us have worked a job, right? If you're in this room and you've, you've, uh, you're above, I guess, the age of 15 or 16 probably is when I got my first job. And so a lot of us or all of us have worked a job. Either you're currently working a job or maybe you did work a job and you're retired. Either way, all of us have had to clock in at a job. Now, most of the time in our job, our work is reflected in our wage, right? We work a job and we get paid for the job. In in some jobs, not always the case, but in some jobs, if you do a really good job, you get paid really well, right? Our our work um, is shown, is reflected in the way that we're paid or our wage. We earn through our work. We earn a wage because we go to work and we We try our best and we do what the job entails. That's just normal life for us here in today's world as Americans. But this morning, as we dive into Ephesians 2, we're going to see something a little different than what we're used to. We're going to see this morning as we look at God's Word is that our works when it comes to being righteous have fallen short. But because of Jesus... Our wage is one that will last us for forever. All right, we get the ultimate wage through Jesus, even though our works have consistently fallen short. And that's what we're going to look at today. Our focus today, in fact, will be on one verse. Right, I don't do this too often. I don't just focus on one verse or just preach on one verse. But this morning, we're going to focus on just Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, and this, this, this one verse here in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, is a key foundational verse, not only for us here at The Rock, but a key foundational verse for those of us who have an identity in Christ, an identity as a disciple. And so this morning, we're going to break this one line of Scripture down into four pieces and really dive in and see what it is that Paul wants us to know, what it is that the Lord wants us to know through this writing to the church in Ephesus. And coming out of these four points, we will know exactly how and why the Lord has called us to disciple like Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus and to work for him. So we're going to dive right in this morning. If you're ready, say amen. amen. Okay, let's take the first piece of this text. On verse 10, it says this, for we are his workmanship. So as we read that, we got to ask ourselves, now what, what does that mean that we are his workmanship? Well, in order to fully understand verse 10, we have to get some context back in the beginning of the chapter to see exactly how Paul got to verse 10. Well, why is he saying this to us? In order to fully understand the point, we got to start back up at chapter 2, verse 1. So if you would, get your eyes up to chapter 2, verse 1 with me, and read with me verses 1 through 7. Paul says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, So Paul, Paul opens up here trying to get us to realize something. All right, those first three verses are, are pretty heavy, right? They're pretty uh, heavy verses that discuss our sin, all right? He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, all right? Verse one, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, okay? Right, so he's talking to, to believers here, and he says, all of you who have put your faith in Jesus, you used to be dead. In your trespasses and your sins. In fact, you were following the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air. You were following the works of Satan, among whom you all lived in the passions of your flesh, right? You were only striving to, to fulfill your fleshly desires. You were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And he calls them, he says, you were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. So Paul opens up here and he's being very direct with his accusations of mankind's sinful past. Again, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were carrying out the passions of the body. Again, he calls us children of wrath. So before Jesus, if you're in this room and you've been saved by the the faith, the saving faith of Jesus Christ, before that moment, we were all falling short. Right, all of us have fallen short. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All have spent—I'm sorry—sinned, and we spent time in that. Right, if you are here with us before Christmas in November, we spent a few weeks just looking at a realization of our sin, like right? coming to terms with the fact that mankind is sinful. And so that's what Paul is trying to get us to understand as he prepares our heart to talk about work. He says, remember who you were before Jesus. However, in verse 4, we find one of the greatest words in the Bible after something bad, right? Whenever the Bible talks about something bad, and then this word, but, comes, it means that there's hope, right? The but in here tells us that there is hope for us. Read with me here in verses 4 through 7. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul says here, You were sinful, right? you have all fallen short, you are all children. Of You were part of the disobedience, you were all children of wrath, but God, rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ. If you're in this room today and you're reading the King James version of this text, if you go up to verse 1, you'll notice that it starts with with these words, and you hath he quickened. This literally means, this word quickened literally means to be made alive and you have been made alive in Jesus. And so that's what Paul's showing us here as we're looking at works, as we're talking about works. And as he says, as he opens up in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, the first thing we have to come to terms with is that before we were saved, we were lost. But we've been made alive again through faith in Jesus. And how? How does, how does this happen? How does the Bible tell us right here that this happened? Well, it happened by God's grace. That's what it says. It says that you have been saved by grace. Now, even though you were a sinner, God has grace and he has saved you. Right, this is the gospel that Paul is preaching back to these people in the church of Ephesus. He's saying, you were a sinner, you needed saved, and by the grace of God, you have been saved. And so when we look at verse 10, when he says we are his workmanship, this word workmanship means that which has been made. Well, when we're saved, the Bible tells us we've been made brand new through the workmanship of Jesus Christ. Through the words of Jesus, no, I'm sorry, the works of Jesus, we have been made brand new. If you placed your faith in the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you no longer are a child of wrath. You're no longer identified by your sins or by your trespasses because you are the workmanship of Jesus. And we are made brand new through his finished work on the cross. Through his blood, we are made brand new. And that's what Paul is showing us here. All right, what Paul's showing us here is that our works can't save us. Our good works can't save us. They can't bring us salvation. No amount of good works on our part can gain us righteousness with, with the Lord. We are made brand new only through the faith of Jesus. And so, what Paul's doing for us is he's laying this out first. Before he gets into what it looks like to work for Jesus, he first has to make us all understand something we cannot work for our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift that we got by the spilling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Look what he says here in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Salvation, the Bible tells us, is a free gift. Not one that we can be worked for. I remember what he said. We were sinful. We were lost. We were dead in our trespasses. We were children of wrath. We were pursuing the world. We did nothing to deserve this free gift. No amount of works can earn it. It is a gift provided for us by God's grace. And that's why Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. The, this letter, like many of other of Paul's letters, he's addressing a tension in these churches that have just started, right? These, this tension, the gospel has come, and, and these Jews heard the gospel, they've placed their faith in Jesus, and, and they're meeting together as a church, and Gentiles are coming in, non-Jews are coming into the church and hearing about Jesus, and a lot of these Jews are trying to get the Gentiles To live by the old law. We've talked about this, the same in Romans. And so Paul's telling these Jews right here in this letter to the church in Ephesus your righteousness no longer depends on your works. For for thousands of years, the Jews have sacrificed and, and observed laws and obeyed rituals in order to try to gain their righteousness. And for a thousand years, they've failed. So Paul's telling the Jews here, you fell short in all your good works. Jesus has come. All right, now there's only one way. There's only one way to righteousness, and it's through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, by the grace of the Lord. Only by the finished work of Jesus. And so we have to hear that, right? Hear Paul as he says this. Good works do not produce salvation. Good works are a product of salvation. Right, that's what we have to let sink into us first. Paul is laying the foundation as he begins to talk about works. Good works are not, do not produce salvation. They're the product of salvation. And as we are about to see, as we take our eyes back to Ephesians 2.10, we're about to see that this is exactly what we, we are created to do. Read with me here again in verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, we're going to stop right there, and we're just going to piece together the section, this second section of verse 10. All right, you understand that this is in direct contrast to what we were doing before Jesus. All right, if you're in this room right now, and you've been saved by faith in Jesus, you know who you were before, how you were running before, what you were putting your faith in before, what you were allowing your body to do before. If you remember back in verses two through three, the only works we were producing before Jesus, in our old dead state, was that of fulfilling our own flesh, like the desires of our flesh. We were walking in the way of the world. But now that we've been made new through Jesus' shed blood, our faith in it, our new identity comes with a new calling not to follow the world not to follow the sons of disobedience, not to be a child of wrath. Our new calling now is to produce good works. Again, good works are a product of our salvation in Jesus. And so last week we discussed, as we talked about walking with Jesus, we discussed in the the book of John, bearing fruit in our good works. And so we saw in John 15 that fruit bearing is a byproduct, again, of salvation in Jesus. It's the mark of a true Christ follower. Our good works glorify God. And glorifying Jesus is what we were created to do as the church, to go out and glorify the name of Jesus and let people know exactly who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. That's what we're called to do. We are called as a church. We were created as followers of Jesus for good works to glorify him. But what are these works? All right, what are good works? He keeps saying the word, the words good works. What what are good works? Well, these are, as we're going to see here in the text, these are acts of service to the church body, right? These are acts of service as a church to serve the people of God. These acts of service to glorify Jesus in our work. Now look with me here in 1 Peter chapter 4, says this. Peter says. what Peter's telling us here is that all of us who follow Jesus were giving, given a unique set of gifts, and these gifts are unique to every single individual. And as the word says, these gifts are given to us by the manifold grace of God. And Paul, Paul also discusses this in Romans chapter 12. He says this in Romans 12, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. All right, so Paul says we are one body with many members, right? Our body has many members. It has arms and fingers and toes and legs, and, but we're all one body. Well, it's the same with the church as he's describing. every body, Christ's body, has many members who have different gifts. And this is a call in Romans here, in Paul, in Peter, to use those gifts to glorify the Lord. Each of us has a unique skill set. And we're we're to use that skill set to serve the Lord and glorify his name. And we're called not to waste these gifts, but to use them as the Lord has intended, to glorify him. And as we move forward, we have to see that this is why we were created. We were created for these good works. But these gifts and works, as we're about to find out, are not something that are, were just spur of the moment and unplanned. These works that we are given were prepared beforehand. Look with me again back in verse 10. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. So this piece of verse 10 is often exegeted. It's often interpreted into two basic different ways. Right, Theologians, they often interpret this text in two different ways. And I honestly, church, I wrestled with this all week, how to preach it. And so it's, it's, it's interpreted in two ways, and I wasn't really sure, so we're going to talk about both the ways that it's interpreted this morning. Uh, the first way that theologians interpret this verse of the fact that God has prepared our works beforehand. And the first interpretation is that Jesus himself prepared our good works through serving the people of God by coming down from heaven to be a servant. Right? That's what he tells us in the Gospels, that he's come to serve And he shows that throughout the Gospels in serving acts like feeding the 5,000, right, like healing people from leprosy and other ailments, from casting out demons, from raising from the dead, from washing the disciples' feet, and ultimately sacrificing himself for us. He came willingly to serve man To rescue them from their sin, though he was sinless, laid down on the cross willingly for our benefit as the ultimate servant. So Jesus came to serve. And the one amazing thing about our Lord, and I've said this many times, but it's honestly one thing that that as I first put my faith in Jesus, really led for me to put my faith in Jesus. My, My favorite thing about the Lord is that he... He never asks us to do something that he doesn't do first. Right? He's not a, a do as I say, not as I do God, like the many other false gods that are worshipped across the world. Jesus only asks you to follow him. He doesn't say to go first. He says, I went first, follow me. He prepared the way for us to walk in good works. He showed us how to do it, what it takes to do it he did that by first serving in his work. So that's the first way that the text is often interpreted by theologians. The second way that this text is interpreted is that God prepared these works in us at our creation. Right? These gifts that we're discussing are talents and skills that we have been given to and used to serve Jesus, right? whether it's playing music or painting, or maybe you're a great carpenter, a great auto mechanic, whatever it is, each of us has a unique skill set that the Lord has given us. And these are gifts that God has instilled in us, right? It's often interpreted this way, that God has instilled these gifts in us beforehand, before our conversion. He's placed them in us in order that they will be used to glorify Him. Either way you interpret this, one thing stands out. We have been fully prepared to serve like Jesus. No matter which way you interpret that text, the Lord has fully prepared us to do this work. He's not left us alone to do this work. He said, I have prepared you to do this work, either by placing this good work internally in you or by showing you as he walked amongst the earth Either way you interpret it, we've been fully prepared to do this work. And so maybe you're sitting in this room right now and you're just very unsure about what your gift is. I don't know what my gift is. I'm not sure what I'm good at. What am I good at? Well, I encourage you to pray about that. Like take some time this week, today, and ask the Lord, Lord, what have you instilled in me? What have you shown me in your word? What have you given me as a gift so that I can serve the body and glorify you? Be consistent in that prayer every day. Ask the Lord what kind of gifts he's given you. And these gifts, they, they might not look like your traditional church gift, right? I mean, some of us are called to, are our good, our good speakers. We're called to ministry. Some of us are, are called to, uh, to serve in worship ministry. Some of us can sing or play guitar. But some of us, again, are good at roofing houses, And I've seen the Lord use that gift so many times to bless his people. Some of us are good at being a mechanic or working on cars. I shared with you all a few weeks ago about how I was rescued in the middle of a truck repair by one of our own congregation, by Jared. He came in the late evening and helped me in a time that I was desperately in need. And after he left, I was praising the Lord for him, let me tell you. So ask the Lord in prayer, how can I use my gifts to glorify you? What are the gifts you've given me to glorify you? The final piece in verse 10 here, as we get our eyes back on the text that Paul is showing us here, is this. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The final piece of this sentence is a command from the Lord. He showed us, Paul showed us in the beginning of chapter two, that we are saved only through Jesus, not through our works, only through his love. And we were saved so that we would do good works, we would produce good works and glorify the Lord. And he says that that these good works were prepared beforehand. They were instilled in you and shown to you through God's word. And he's saying to you now is that you are called to serve in this way. Right, that's what the word of God is showing us here. What Paul's saying here is the true disciples should not be sitting on the sidelines. They shouldn't be watching the game. They should be in the game. Right, this is the call to work for the Lord. As a true disciple discovering, finding out, praying what your gifts are and use them to glorify Jesus. We are not called to sit on the sidelines and watch. We are called to work for Christ because the gospel has compelled us. And that's what what the Lord is talking about here. And that's what the Lord wants us to see here in Ephesians chapter two, this big idea that the gospel should compel us to serve like Jesus. As we've walked through the last couple weeks, if you notice, the big idea has been the same. Right? The gospel of Jesus is to compel us to worship Him. The gospel of Jesus compels us to walk with Him. The gospel of Jesus compels us to work for him. Spoiler alert, next week is witness. The gospel of Jesus should compel us to witness for him. It's all about the gospel. The gospel is the motivator. The reason why we live life as a disciple is because we who were imperfect, who sinned, who were full of wrath, were made disciples by a God who loved us, who loves us continually. The gospel is the motivator. And so today, I just hope that we hear from God's word that, This is a calling to serve, to work as Jesus did. And so if you're sitting in the room right now and you're like, I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure what, how to start. Like, I hear what you're saying, Tony. I hear that, I see in the word that we're called to serve, but how do we begin to serve? What are some baseline opportunities that I can start right now today? Well, there are some easy ones, right? The lowest hanging fruit would be to to serve here at The Rock, to begin serving, to join one of the serve teams. If you have a, a talent or a, a passion for, for caring for children or even teaching children about Jesus, there's so many opportunities to serve in Kids Rock. If, you have a, uh, if you're a people person, you just love to communicate, there's opportunities for you to serve on our greeting team. Now, let me tell you, my walk in the ministry started by me greeting I didn't really have a lot of gifts. I was like, I'm not really talented in anything. I can like kind of play guitar. It's not very good. And so it's like, what do I do? Lord, what do I do? And the Lord showed me my, my gift of communicating, right? I like to talk. Anyone in here who knows me knows I like to talk. Our small group's usually here till like 10.30. It's not a good thing, always. But I love to talk. And so the Lord led me to a greeting team which led me into ministry, a call into ministry. And so it doesn't matter what your gift is. It can be used here to serve the body here at The Rock first. Maybe you have a a talent for worship. Maybe you have a talent, you can play guitar or bass or keys or drums. Maybe you can sing. Maybe God's calling you to serve here on our worship band. So the easiest baseline way to serve is here at The Rock. Another way to serve the body here is in small groups, all right, This is something that we encourage and, and really push on the people who are here at The Rock is to join a small group. In small groups, we are literally doing just this. We are serving the body. We are growing each other as disciples, reproving, rebuking through his word, doing life together day in and day out as brothers and sisters in Christ, bearing one another's burdens. These are all things all serving, serving acts that we're doing in small groups. And so I encourage you, if you're looking for a way that you can begin to work for Jesus today, check the box for small groups, check the box for serve teams. These are baseline ways that you can begin to serve. You can begin to work for the Lord and glorify him in your skills and talents that he's given you. And that's what I wanna pray for us today, church. If you would stand with me here, we're gonna, we're gonna finish out this morning in worship. But I first want to go to the Lord in prayer. And just pray to him that we are a church, that he stirs us up to be a church, a people, a body of Christ, in which has a desire and a motivation because of the gospel to serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your gospel. We heard this morning, again, your gospel. Father, I thank you for it every single day. Every day that I'm able to open your word, God, And see that beautiful gospel, that good news that though I was a sinner, though I am a sinner, though I constantly fall short, though I used to be a a child of wrath, though I chased the world, that because of your love, because of your grace, I can be saved. So Father, I pray for anyone that's in the room right now that doesn't know you, that doesn't know your gospel, let them hear that truth. Father, knock on that door, beat on that door, Lord. I pray that they open it today, Lord, that they would hear your word this morning, they would hear the gospel, that you came, though you were sinless, Jesus. You came down, humbled yourself from the throne in heaven to earth, that you willingly bore our sins on the cross, that you were beaten, that you took nails through your hands and feet that you gave up your breath for us and lord i pray that anyone in the room right now that hasn't heard that they put their faith in it this morning that they are saved they can be saved and if when they put their faith in you are saved through your shed blood on the cross and so lord i pray that you would that you would see people saved in this place this morning from that gospel the only true gospel the only true hope is in you jesus and I pray for those of us, Lord, who have put our faith in you, God, that you stir us this week, that we heard your call for us to produce good works out of, out of that gospel that was preached, that it should motivate us and compel us to work for you. Lord, I pray that this morning that we too humble ourselves for the work that you've, for, that you've called us to, that we are looking for opportunities as a church body to serve one another, to serve the ministry. To serve the only mission, which is to disciple and create disciples and multiply them across the earth. And so, Lord, I pray that you stir in our people, you stir in me, you stir in our staff, you stir in our serve teams. You stir in the first-time guest or the second-time guest. That they are to serve you. They were born to serve you and glorify you. So, Lord, I pray that for us now. Move us and compel us, or compel our hearts to do that. Give us a fire, Lord, to serve as you served. We love you, Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you're with us here in worship. We continually worship you because you are holy and you are good and you are at the center of everything. Make us the center. Make you the center of our lives, God. Make you the center of everything in our lives. As we walk through the week, Let our hearts and eyes be only on you and coming to you for everything we need. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.